Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Before we get started on today's show, I want to tell you about Ball. You guys know Ball Arena, Ball Aerospace Technology, the world's largest aluminum can and packing manufacturer. Well, right now, they reached out to us because they have floor manufacturing positions for production technicians and other roles available. They need to make more cans. In 2020, Ball made over 101 billion cans. Yes, 101 billion cans. That's a lot of cans. So Ball is hiring production technicians to make even more aluminum beverage cans. They're adding the uh, line capacity to their 400 person plant right here in town at Golden because the demand for sustainable aluminum beverage cans is greater than ever. Chances are you've consumed a beverage in a can today, this week, this month, at some time you have. In fact, if you want to know a crazy stat, 75% of all aluminum that has ever been produced on the face of the earth is still in use. That's absolutely mind-boggling. It is one of the most recyclable uh, uh, products you can have out there, and that's why Ball is such a cool sponsor to have and why they would be such a great partner to work for. So check them out. You can text GOLDEN to 77222. That's, again, GOLDEN to 77222, or you can go to jobs.ball.com and search for Golden to find out more. That's right, a little bit of Summer League funky, a little bit of Summer League funky music and well-deserved. Bones Highland carries the Denver Nuggets to their first victory at Summer League in what was a very exciting game. Surprisingly, these Summer League games have not been extremely uh, exciting or action-packed, but this one absolutely was against arguably the two worst Summer League teams, the Denver Nuggets and the Dallas Mavericks, but it allowed for some really compelling storylines, including a great finish with some clutch play and I think what was probably the best look at Bones Highland, not just because he played well, but because he was placed in some very interesting uh, situations. We're going to talk about him, Zeke Naji, Zylan Cheatham as well, had a very monster game. We'll talk just briefly about him um, and break down this game in the first segment. In the second and third segments, I'm going to play a couple random interviews I have from Summer League. While I, where I was out there, talked to a couple old buddies, a lot of people, friends of the show, guys that have been on the show before. And I just thought you guys might get a kick since this is sort of a weekend pod. We're making up for Friday's podcast. Uh, a weekend pod will do something a little bit different. So it'll be a shorter episode. Um, but I think you guys, uh, especially you diehards, are really going to enjoy it. And everybody is going to lo- enjoy this first segment because Bones Highland, 
goes in his third summer league game. He gets 28 points, six rebounds, four assists, a steal, and a block. He was a near-team high plus 15. Caleb Ogata was a plus 17, but a plus 15 in 33 minutes, 9 of 17 shooting, 5 of 8 from the three-point line, 5 of 7 from the foul line. The two misses came in a row in the clutch. I'll talk about those here in just a second. But it was by far Bones Highland's best performance, and I think it would it'd be difficult for you to be cynical about Bones Highland's after this game. He was that good that exciting and just that that fun it's worth noting that in this game there was no uh bowl bowl he got the night off a little bit of a as did devon reed and Tarek black um you know three mainstays basically from the first couple of games i don't think there, there wasn't a reason from the coaching staff for that summer league you know you often will hold people out bone uh those guys were there early um, so they played the first game when the rest of these guys did not. So I'm guessing there's just something to, hey, let's give a rest to those guys and get a different look out there. And I actually think it was a good thing. You know, Bull Bull is a very – his fingerprints are all over the game in ways both good and bad when he's out there. And I thought that not having Bull Bull out there, not that it's a you know a knock against Bull or anything – but I thought that it allowed for a more traditional sort of, okay, here we have our guards, here we have our wings, this is where the ball's going to go, and just a little bit more clarity. And, you know, it, it really, in some ways, I think allowed, as well as some, some other things I'll get to, allowed for Bones to play a little bit more of that facilitator score role that I think we were, I was expecting, to be honest with you, um, coming into Summer League. What stands out to me, so to kind of recap, if you did not watch, and by the way, I highly recommend if you didn't see, hop on YouTube and go out and check out the highlights to this. Bones' is 28 points, by the way, is the second most. Jamal Murray had 29 against the Heat. Uh, of all of the guys to actually make the roster, of course, Jimmer Fredette had the 50-piece you know, not too long ago, uh, a couple years back, but he doesn't really count. Um, Jamal Murray had 29 against the Heat, so Bones Highland's 28, second most of any Nuggets player that has come through. That includes Malik Beasley and Nikola Jokic and you know all the rest of the guys, Manuel Moody, all the guys that have come through and played in Summer League. That 28-piece is, you know, that's quite a bit of points for a Summer League game. Um but what really impressed me, a couple of things that stood out about Bones Highland. First, the three-point shot. So one of Bones' biggest skills, and by the way, I should have an episode of the list on Monday at some time. Maybe it'll be Monday afternoon uh, from these last few games. But one of the things that really stood out when I did the list last time, uh, right after the draft, which is, by the way, still up on the DMVR.com for members, you can see one of the things I highlighted, I put every single transition three Bones made in college last season on there and it's a four and a half minute video that's how many transition threes he made last year he it's my arguably his best weapon you think about that either a catch and shoot like he runs the wing fills the wings off ball really well and then when he catches he's very quick at going into a shooting motion but also off of the bounce he's very good at attacking and if you think about it, if a one-on-one defense if you're getting attacked by a guard you're thinking protect the paint try to challenge a layup or whatever well bones is really good at sprinting stopping on a dime and going into his jump shot and knocking it down and he had one of those in this game i was kind of waiting for it uh he's so good at it that i was kind of waiting to see what it would look like he also had a step back three-pointer and a whole bunch of pick and roll ones so to go five of eight from the three-point line tonight you know he's it's not like he hasn't shot well in this uh in the summer league but this was one of those games where you look at and you go oh yeah that's elite shooting five threes in basically 34 minutes that's pretty elite um the the biggest thing though to me that stood out was his poise and i might even say leadership you know not in the traditional sense leadership but 
he the first quarter was a little bit rough for everybody, all of the Nuggets, including him. I thought in the second quarter he started to get it going a little bit, and actually you can even say that he was a little un a little too unselfish, not just early on in this game, but I think in the entire summer league he's been trying to like not press too much and you know try to work within team uh, a team concept which by the way very rare at summer league you get so many guys that think they're out there to score 30 every night and team concepts are completely lost i think bones highland is a pretty unselfish player and he actually had a a great quote let me see uh from from charles Clasco. Oh, i must have lost it uh, but there's a great quote from him that says something to the effect of, you know, uh, Jokic is going to love this dude. He's so unselfish. He's going to love his unselfishness. Let me see if I can pull it up. Um, I know Harrison tweeted it out here. Let's see. Nicola's going to fall in love with his unselfishness is the, is the official quote from Charles Class. And I have to agree. Like, I actually think a lot of the Nuggets front office people when I was out there in Summer League told me, you know, if you watched his sophomore year, which is the year he really broke out, he was a scorer. Because they needed a score. And and VCU brought in a more traditional point guard. And so it moved Bones Highland into a little bit more of a, a of a gunner role. But his freshman season, they didn't have a more traditional point guard. So he played a facilitator role and he did a great job of it. In fact, one of the reasons they really were high on him as a prospect was how easily he switched from basically the point guard to the off-ball uh, combo guard role, how seamlessly it was. A lot of times when you ask a guy, even Jamal Murray, to be honest with you, went from being off ball at college and then on ball in Denver, you know, that was a, a, a slow, long process. And I think that's what they were encouraged with is he just seems to really get the game and be able to segue from one role to the other very, very seamlessly. And you saw that tonight. Uh, in that second quarter, he started to get it going a little bit, knocks down a couple shots, got to the cup. I think he finished with 11 points in that quarter, uh, or maybe it was eight points in that quarter, 11 at the half. And I actually hopped in the group chat with the rest of the DMVR guys, and I said, hey, he's going – my prediction said I'm going on record. He's going to score 26 points in a Nuggets win. I think they were down like eight at the half or something. They were struggling. I said he's going to go off in the second half, 26 points in a dub. And he actually had 28 points, so I was pretty close to this, but he had a look in his eye. And this is why I don't, I, you can exaggerate this, but I also think it was very real, which is why I predicted it. He had this like, okay, I don't want to lose anymore. And he had this thing of like, okay, I think I figured something out. I think I now have my rhythm, have my tempo, and I know where my spots are coming from. And sure enough, in that second half, I felt like he shocked me in how poised he was and how much he took control of the game, you know, like a traditional point guard, like a Chris Paul or something like that, where everything was going through him. You have more veteran players on the roster. You know, even Caleb Agata, he's, he's played professional basketball. You know, even though he's not a point guard, he's just been around. You think, okay, maybe you start to yield to your senior most players or whatever. But no, Bones kind of was like, everybody get behind me. I got this. And even after the game, his teammates were like, MVP, MVP, this dude's incredible. They were impressed with him. But he just had this presence on the court of like, hey, I'm going to get the ball where it's supposed to go. Everybody, you know, get on my shoulders. And I got this. And it was just incredible to watch. Scoring, playmaking. The defense was sending two guys in pick and rolls. They were basically just trying to trap him up because Denver doesn't have a lot of scoring threats. So they were trying to trap him. And rather than force it, he 
actually was getting the ball out of his hands pretty quickly, and I think it was frustrating him a little bit because while it was the right play and sometimes Denver was punishing the defense by getting the ball out of his hands and then finding the open man, more often than not, wherever the ball would land, the guy wouldn't convert. And you could tell Bones was thinking, like, this sucks. They're constantly in these pick-and-rolls able to put two on me. So allegedly he went to Coach Charles Clask and said, hey, don't send me the screen. Let me just ISO because when the screen comes up, that's easier for them to double. And I just thought he did a great job of not forcing it, but finding ways to be aggressive and finding alternate routes to get the ba- uh, to get the ball in the basket. And it was just it was very impressive to watch. Um, really steering the ship the entire second half. Um, and Charles Klask had these impressive quotes to say about him after the game. He said he definitely thinks the game. He comprehends the game at a high level. He processes what's going on possession by possession at a high level. He was very calm. He was very poised. He was not afraid of the moment. I love those quotes because it's exactly how I felt watching the game. I'm watching this and I go, wow, this kind of looks like a veteran. Like he just seems to, he's, he's, he's very calm and collected. It was a tight game. It was back and forth. And he just like, okay, what's happening? Reading the defense, trying to take notes. And then as he took notes, he started to figure out where he was supposed to go and what he was supposed to do. And it was, it was an absolute joy to watch. I also love that he had a lot of family and friends in the stands. They were wearing t-shirts that said, let's get busy. And they were going crazy. They kept The broadcast kept talking about it and kept cutting to him. And you could see Bones sort of feeding off that. He just, he's got such a great vibe to him. If you were to, I, I would, I would rate Bones Highland's vibe as a 10 out of 10. He is a peak vibes guy. Like absolutely vibes are immaculate with Bones Highland. And it was just cool to see the the, the crowd, him playing off of it. And uh, it was just fun. He's a gamer. He talked about how Thursday night, and you kind of see this on him, that these games, winning and losing doesn't really matter to any of us. And it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. But I think for a player, you know, you never like to lose, especially in a game that's close, even if it is an exhibition. And I think Bone said that Thursday night he couldn't sleep. He was so upset with how that game ended. Again, Denver probably should have won that game. They kind of wilted away in, in the fourth quarter of that one. Well, in this one, they got... Uh, you know, you could tell he was like, no, we can't let this happen again. We got to do it. And he's just a gamer. He's competitive. And I think Nuggets fans are going to absolutely love watching him. He did have five turnovers. If there's one sort of, you know, negative spot on it, a couple of these were offensive fouls. Um, Denver as a team just had, I think, 24 turnovers, which is insane. You usually, I, I would venture to bet that Denver over the last six or seven years probably doesn't have more. They're, they're probably something like, Oh, and 10 when they have 24 turnovers or more. It's, it's pretty rare that you get 24 turnovers uh, in a game. Denver had that and somehow found a way to win. And he had five of them, a team high five. So that's the one negative thing. You know, Zeke Najee had a nice fourth quarter. He continued to struggle offensively, and this game was no different. He goes four of 11, including one of four from the three-point line. He continued to have some of those possessions where you're just like, oof, that's really ugly offense. Um, you know, exploring his game has gone just about as poorly, I think, as as you could have expected, like realistically expected. Um, and, and I think that there's no sort of sugarcoating the struggles that he has had. That being said, I do think his defense in games one and three that he participated in, including this one, this would be the third game for him, I thought was very good. And he actually moving his feet on the perimeter. A lot of times guards trying to take him one-on-one. He really, a few times in this one, he gave a little bit too much space, you know, in between the guys were able to shoot over him. But for the most part, he moves his feet incredibly well. And defensively, I thought he played great. And in the fourth quarter, 
Um, he had one bucket in particular that was, I think he had two buckets in the fourth, but he had one, the go ahead bucket, which was a kick out three pointer. And he knocked it down to give the nuggets their first lead since two to zero. And it was just a big shot. And he, and it was coming on the heels of him being like, I'll bet you at that time he was two for nine, you know, so not very, he was having a horrible shooting night and he gets a wide open set shot and, and under in the pressure cooker and he knocked it down. So at least there was that little, you know, sliver of hope for him at the in the fourth quarter of this one. Um, Caleb Agata was very good. In fact, the Caleb Agata Bones Highland backcourt, a lot of this was Caleb Agata knocking down shots that Bones, when teams were started to overload on Bones, Caleb Agata found himself open and he knocked down the shots that he needed to. He ended up going four of eight from the three-point line, which was fantastic. He, as I mentioned, he was a plus 17. He had five steals in this game, which is absurd. Um, you had James Burnell play, who had not played prior. He got food poisoning. He was the guy, you know, when I talked to some of the people People around, um, whether they're with the team or some of just other like draft Nick people that really know everybody that's on summer. There's it's crazy. You go to summer league, there really are guys that know everybody on the rosters, including like the end of bench guys on all 30 NBA teams. It's it's pretty it's pretty funny. These people that really get into the weeds of international basketball and what have you. And when I asked him about who's the dark horse guy, Burnell was the guy that everybody told me like, yeah, he could be. Um, you're gonna want to see him. And I thought he played great. He was a really interesting player. Six point seven rebounds. Pretty athletic, uh, had a nice dunk, um, just makes plays out of nothing, had two block shots. He, he kind of flew around. I wish we would have gotten to see more of him. There's another one more game on Monday for the Nuggets, and that'll be it. I hope we get to see him again because he was at least somewhat intriguing um, and lived up to a little bit of the hype. But like I said, he got food poisoning and wasn't able to participate in the majority of this uh, summer league. And then Zylan Cheatham, who has, I thought, looked very raw. Here's here's what's interesting is you swap Bol uh, Bol out of there and all of a sudden a guy like Zylan Cheatham has like – he doesn't have to be a skill player. He doesn't have to be anything. He could just go and eat boards and be a big – he's a beast. I mean that guy is an absolute unit. Um, he's a hyper-athlete, a super-athlete. He had 15 points, 18 rebounds in this game. 18 rebounds. Goes 6 of 11 and it was kind of neat because like I said, you've got uh, Bones, you got Caleb Agata, you got Zeke Naji. Like you had – guys whose roles were somewhat defined and so a guy like Zylan Cheatham can just go be Dennis Rodman out there and he did a great job of it so overall a really good uh really fun game and the Nuggets got a win but the story was Bones Highland and how he looked like an absolute veteran of a player we joked that Bones is known as like a baller, a hooper, you know, maybe more of a street player where it's like he has this great one on one game and he does have a great like he's very shifty. He has a great handle, a much better handle than I expected. But his feel for the game in this one it was only this one game. So I don't want to I still need to see more. But I just felt like his feel for the game and his basketball IQ were really impressive in this one. And that's the part of his game that I didn't expect. And that's the part that's so exciting about this one. Let's take a break on the other side, though. I want to get to some of these great interviews that I got from Summer League that I think you're going to enjoy. First break here, I want to tell you about Solace Meds. You guys know about them. The dispensary that's part of the DNVR pa- uh, family. We partnered with them. The premier dispensary that has four locations around town. One in Fort Collins, one in Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, and of course my favorite one just blocks away from the DNVR bar on East Colfax. They have some banging deals the entire month of August. Here's a couple, uh, a look at some of them. Dixie Elixir, two for $30. This is a Weedham favorite. Uh, it's really a DNVR favorite if we're being honest with you. Spectra, 20 
20% off, Ripple 25% off, Silver Shelf Flower 15% off, and then Connoisseur Shelf Concentrates 15% off. And if you head into any location, you can get a free Solace Bar or King Cone when you mention the code as well. That's code DNVR. Any location of Solace Meds, you mention DNVR, you're going to get a King Cone or Solace Bar absolutely free. So head in. Actually, the code is DNVR20. Don't forget, DNVR20. You also receive 20% off and get that free uh, Solace Bar or King Cone. So check them out one of our very good partners you can also order online and then just go and pick up uh that's at solacemeds.com s-o-l-a-c-e meds.com and again use promo code dnvr20 so you can save 20 percent also want to tell you about green mountain dental group one of our longest partners here uh you got we know that we've had a lot of people switch over and use green mountain dental group and they've been absolutely fantastic it's like a family-owned business uh right there 10 15 minutes away from downtown denver in lakewood colorado they're the type of people that will send you cards on your birthday and on Christmas. They'll remember your name. You go in there. They're going to give you great service. And if you go in right now and schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Tweet at us when you go there and let us know, hey, great. Thanks for the rec. We love the place. Uh, and we'll give you a shout out as well. So don't forget, check them out. Green Mountain Dental Group right there in Lakewood. I'm going to start off these interviews from Summer League. I did these at the Thomas and Mac Arena, so a little bit of background noise, but they were really good. Going to start off with friend of the show, Brian Schroeder. Hey, what's <laughs> right here with Brian Schroeder, NBA draft analyst, expert extraordinaire, and we are at Las Vegas Summer League. Your favorite? Is this your favorite event of the year? The only one I go to anymore, so yeah. So we watched a, a handful of players so far. I want to start, though, with Bones Highland. I know you haven't seen him here at Summer League, but I also know you were really high on him. Based on how much you were tweeting about him during the draft night, what's, what are your thoughts on Bones Highland? And, and sort of give me your scouting report on him. I think Bones is pretty easily the best off-dribble shooter in this class, except for maybe Cade, which doesn't really count. Like You're not Nuggets had a chance at him. Uh, and I think he has the easiest path to being a designated bench scorer of anyone in this draft, except maybe Cam Thomas, but I, I don't like Cam Thomas. Like, he's too far just shooting. Bones can do other stuff. I mean, the defense isn't good, but he's not, uh, he tries and he's not like, I don't know, he's not a net negative out there yet. I mean, he may be in the NBA, but in this at this level, he'll be fine. Is there any star potential with him? I think a little, yeah. I mean, in the same way, there's a, a lot of, bench gunners become like kind of low-level stars. Not to compare him to Lou Williams, because that's, Lou is more of a driver anyway. But Lou Williams is kind of a star. I mean, a guy like Jordan Clarkson's been a star, and I think he's got more on like point guard abilities than those guys do, because they have, they have none. Yeah. Um, if he fails, what are gonna be the reason he fails in your opinion? He's just not athletic enough, not, not enough burst. Um, I think he'll still be good enough to like craft his way into buckets, but it, he may just not be able to score inside the arc at all in the NBA, which is could be a problem. What about just general timeline? Is he like a, a, a red shirt type player, you think? Or is he a guy that maybe could get some minutes and work his way into a role this year? It depends entirely on the health of the Nuggets as a whole. But I think he, he'll probably most likely be a Grand Rapids Gold guy for a while. But that could be a place where he puts up like 40 a game at some <laughs> point. So like I, that, you may just not be able to keep him there just out of fairness to him. Like... Like, Clint Capella is a good example of a guy the Rockets were going to keep down at theirs for, they were supposed to keep him there for like a year and a half, and he was putting up like 25 and 18 every game, and they were like, all right, get him out of there. Yeah. But, uh, but I think Bowens will play a little bit this year, though. Where does he rank on the fun scale in this draft? Certainly top 10. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, 
I'm, I'm one of those people who finds a lot of fun with like weird micro skills. So like I really like Trey Murphy, but Trey Murphy is a very like not like an exciting player. He has some cool dunks and stuff, but like yeah, after Green and Suggs is very exciting. I would put I would put Bones certainly in conversation for fourth and fifth. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I want to ask about some of the other players in in uh, today's summer or this summer league this year. Who are the guys that have stood out? Not the guys that were in your draft that stood out, but you think that have stood out in summer league so far. So like just any guy, like not just this class or anyone. No, just this class. Or actually, yeah, anyone. Actually, we can do anyone. Yeah, I thought I thought Coros looked great as yeah. a guy who couldn't really dribble at all. He's yeah. been really good attacking. Patrick Williams is shot, which is all I wanted to see him do. Just yeah. take shots, please. Uh, and then you know, like uh, some of the some of the lower level guys. I think um, well, not Cole Anthony, but I think uh, Giannis Timma. Yeah, the, the most popular man at summer league. Is he a draft person's guy? Is that is that why I keep hearing his name? No, I mean he was he was drafted, I think, by the Grizzlies. I want to say, but he's just I mean he just look at him. He's good. He's he's a professional basketball player. He's in his prime. Of course, he come here. <laughs> yeah. He plays in a good league. Like he come here, he should look good. Yeah. Um, I think I the one game I saw Kyrie Lewis. I thought he was really good. I think now who all I've seen. Oh, uh, Isaiah Jackson. For okay. a guy who was kind of slipped because there was concerns about him as like scoring, he looked awesome. Jalen Johnson looked great. I thought Sharif Cooper looked okay the first game, great the second game, so okay overall. Um, but Sharif Cooper is like a famous draft yeah. guy, though. People love him. Yeah, but he's a second rounder, and he's yeah. already making some of the passes everybody was was kind of talking about. And hit five of eight from three yesterday. Somehow. That's right. That's right. In a winner, right? Yeah, in yeah. the corner. Contested game winner, which was wild to see. Uh, so I got to ask you about my guy Arturis. Actually, the Bulls have—they're going to be my second team now because not only do you have Arturis, who's my guy, but now you have Lonzo Ball, who's my guy. How do you evaluate their offseason? I'm happy with it as a Bulls fan who just wanted them to act like they were trying to win. It may not work out. Like it could be a team that tops out at like 47, 48 wins, but there is there is some value to the argument that like at a certain point you just have to do something. Like, the Heat are a great example of a team that's been hard-capped and out of picks forever, and they're still finding ways right. to contribute. They're just trying. They're trying to win. You know, maybe they, they maybe maybe this, this core never wins them a title, but they're going to be top four or five in the East, I imagine. And I just like the Bulls to pretend as though they play in a large market and not in Oklahoma City or, like, Idaho or something. Like, right. it's nice. And I think, I think the fit's okay. Like, DeRozan has his flaws, but I think he is a different player than he was three or four years ago. And I also think the big thing with him is that the, the reason that those Raptors teams always fell apart in the playoffs is because he was the main scorer, and he's not that now. So I think there could be a much easier path to him being like the secondary guy and helping them out. But they're probably a 45-48 win team. I think I'm happy with that. What's Arturis' reputation right now amongst Bulls fans? Is he is quite, maybe not a, quite a hero, but is he like? He would have to have tried to be less like than Paxton and Foreman. <laughs> but no, everyone I know, I mean, again, he's not, everything he's done to this point, I've understood the logic of. Yeah. I've been like, even if I don't agree with it, like, I would assume I would have taken Shreve Cooper, but I would assume he can shoot threes and play a defense. So, like, they're, I understand it. He's also from Chicago. They love that. I'm sure the ownership group had something to do with that. Right. But yeah, I just like Arturus is doing things that make sense. Like, a good example is, uh, They've been waiting to make all like they just made the DeRozan thing official today because they had to wait to get Lon. They had to wait for Tice's trade exception to come back to sign Caruso. Then they had to get the Lonzo stuff done so they have more space for DeRozan. And it's like they're doing. They have an order of operations for things that they're doing to maximize their money. Whereas like if Paxton and Foreman had signed one of these guys, they would have 
call the press conference that day and be like, season's done, we're done, we did it. Yeah. I mean, they famously called a uh, post-draft press conference it, and, like after like the 40th pick. I remember this, yeah, yeah. It's like, you guys could still do All something. Right. I mean, I, you don't have to, but you should at least be pretending you're going to do something. Be flexible enough if something comes up, you never know. Yeah, uh, and they also had their end-of-season end of press conference during Kobe's last game once. <laughs> and they, it's like, they just don't, they had no... Yeah. They never seemed like a team that paid attention to the rest of the league at all. I'm like, I know Arturis does that, so. Yeah. Uh, last one for you. I know you're years ahead of, on the draft, but there's a guy in this this year. I believe it's, it's Paolo, right? Paolo. Poncaro. Poncaro. So, Paolo Poncaro. The only thing I know about him is that he once attempted a Sambor shuffle and then tweeted about it. He, he put it out online. What can you tell me about my new favorite prospect? <laughs> uh, he's kind of a fun, like, he is... He's going to get compared to Blake Griffin because he has kind of a similar skin tone, kind of looks like him, and is like 6'10", 240, but he can shoot off dribble. He might be a monster prospect. He might just be very good. Like, there's a level to what kind of scorer he can be, but he's definitely that kind of guy. We're seeing more and more guys who are incorporating, like, there's guys here who have watched Jokic, you can tell. There's guys who've watched Tatum. Like, we're getting... Have you heard of players mention Jokic as an inspiration in interviews? I don't know. I don't know if they've mentioned him as much, but, like, Shen Gun's a great guy to watch. Like, he's watched Jokic, you can tell. He tries the same kind of hooks. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Boncaro is... Uh, the only thing I really know about him, A, he's a funny... Like, he's a good tweeter. He's funny. <laughs> and, B, he always talks about, like... He'll... he'll he, I, you know he's a good teammate because, like, 80% of his tweets are, like, a guy he played with. He, he's upping up a guy. Somebody he played with signed oh, somewhere, and he's like, all right, yeah. Yeah, I like it. But, yeah, no, I, that guy watches a lot of tape. Like, I think he's going to be very good. Um, he'll be interesting because he's a U.S. born and raised, but he'll probably play for the Italian national team at some point. Okay. This is, I think, it, I think both, one, it, one of his parents is an Italian, like, from Italy. So, I'm a big Paolo fan. Right now, he's my number one guy next year, but... Next year is kind of one of those that there's like seven or eight guys at the top, which means there's nobody really. Yeah. Like there's not a number, there's an obvious Luca, even Zion by summer that year, we all kind of knew. And then like Cade, Cade wasn't like a runaway, but Cade was number one most of the year. So there's not that guy yet. Right now I have Paolo, but AJ Griffin could be that guy. Chad Holmgren could be that guy. Uh, I mean, if Jalen Duran just came in, there's a lot of guys next year, but Paolo is definitely my favorite personality so far. Next up is Sean Hyken. I'm here with Bleacher Report's Sean Hyken at NBA Summer League. Um, so station in Portland, been a very interesting offseason. A lot of turnover, especially at the head coaching position. How do you anticipate the start of this season going for the Portland Trailblazers? Do you feel like some of the controversy surrounding the hiring is going to be a main storyline beyond training camp and, and really throughout the season? I don't know how much the hiring and the, the coaching hire and that, that whole situation is really going to linger in terms of what most people are going to be talking about. I think the bigger thing when you're talking about, you know, what's going to be lingering in during their season is going to be Damian Lillard's whole situation. But certainly, you know, there, there's reasons for, you know, the Chauncey situation to not really go away maybe either. Yeah. With Damian Lillard... Is it important, do you think, for Portland to get off to a hot start right out of the gate? I mean, will some of the rumors and maybe even a potential behind-the-scenes trade demand, will that conversation pick up, in your opinion, if they don't look promising, say, by Christmas? It certainly wouldn't hurt to get off to a good start. My sense as of right now, and my sense this whole time, has been that whether he requests a trade now or at the deadline or next offseason, I think his sent I think his attitude right now is he wants to give Chauncey a chance. He wants to give 
kind of this version of the roster. They're mostly running it back. They picked up basically a couple of minimum guys on as backups. That's really all they've done this offseason besides re-sign Norm Powell, and then they obviously brought in a new head coach to replace Terry Stotts. I think Dame is willing to give it a shot, but if they get off to a bad start, then I think we might start hearing about that whole, you know, what's his future going to be? We might start hearing about that again. What do you anticipate for Yusef Nurkic this season? Now that he's kind of first year back from injury, always expect a little bit of a slow, you know, getting back into the swing of things. What do you expect from him this year? Well, I think he would like to have a big year because he's about to go into a contract year. He's only making about $12 million this year, and, you know, he's a clutch guy, so he wants to get paid, and Right now, as of right now, based on his injury history and, you know, how unreliable he was in the playoffs and some of the foul trouble, I'm not sure if the Blazers or anybody else is going to want to pay him what he wants to get paid. And so I think if he can have a season where he can stay healthy and be more consistent, then that's going to help his case. I think that's kind of, that's kind of going to be the thing to keep an eye on. Do you think Portland's a playoff team this year? Like, What's your level of confidence that they are a top six team, not a play-in team? Top six not great. I think they'll definitely be a play-in team. I don't think they're going to be 11 or 12 or be lower than that because like Dame is like Dame is kind of a floor-raising player. As long as him and CJ are healthy, there's only so bad you can be. So I think they'll definitely be in the mix. But top six, I mean, it, it, it's it's hard to put it down this year because like I mean, Phoenix will be back. I think the Lakers will be better with you know LeBron and AD getting a full offseason. But like the Clippers aren't really contenders because you know Kawhi's not going to play the whole year. We don't know, you know, with you guys in Denver, we don't know when Jamal is going to be back. I would anticipate that he'll be back by the playoffs, hopefully. But uh, I, it's not its not a super loaded conference at the top, so I think the Blazers have a shot to be in that top six. But I think, like, six, maybe five if they're lucky is kind of the best-case scenario. I kind of more see them as a play-in team, just given that they didn't really do a lot outside of changing out the coach. Were you impressed with Denver? Maybe what impressed you the most in their playoff victory over Portland, being as shorthanded as they were? Just all these different guys just found ways. Like, Austin Rivers was a 10-day, and he swung a couple of those games, you know. Uh, I mean, just really, honestly, it wasn't even just that Denver ser- or the Denver-Portland series. It was uh, ever since, you know, when, when the Jamal Murray injury happened, I thought, I mean, because after they made the Aaron Gordon trade, I was in the camp of thinking, okay, Denver's probably going to win the West. This is their year. And then Aaron Gordon tears his ACL like 10 days later or whatever, and I think their season's over, and they just kind of kept battling. They just have all these guys, and even just like, you know, guys like, like you know, Marcus Howard or whoever, right. like these end-of-bench guys who've been like right. forced into bigger roles, and they contribute. And that, 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 that whole situation was pretty impressive. Denver to contend for a title if Jamal Murray returns in March, or is it probably unrealistic to expect Denver to get together that shortly? How does he look? Because if he looked like well, for old Jamal Murray before the injury, which I don't think is realistic right, right away, I think I don't either. I think whatever you get from him this first year back from the injury is just kind of a bonus. And I think I think the next time you can really look at Denver going into a season and say this is a title contender, assuming he does make a full recovery, is the 22-23 season is kind of where I would have it. Everyone's favorite time of year is right around the corner. College football season. It's time to celebrate. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly. If you bet $1 or more on any college football game, take advantage of the limited-time offer right now. You heard it right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game, no matter what. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts that they are offering. DraftKings Sportsbook 
Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, located right here in the United States, so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code DNVR to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code DNVR to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. Limited time only. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We also want to tell you about Hassle Cattle Company. We brought you damn good beer. That's Breckenridge. Now we're bringing you damn good beef. So damn good that you now can get Wagyu beef at the DNVR bar. You guys know we believe in Hassle Cattle Company when we said no. We are putting them in our store. We want to change our burger to make sure our burgers are made with Hassle Cattle Company beef because it's that delicious. Hassle Cattle Company is giving away $200 gift cards and a cooler to one lucky winner. It's easy to enter. Just head to the DNVR Sports Twitter page and click the link uh, to our pinned tweet. It's free. You can win money and a fantastic cooler and you get notified about all their best deals. Speaking of which, Hassle is hooking you up with 10% off your entire purchase. Just use promo code DNVR10 at checkout. That's promo code DNVR10 to save 10% every single time. Go to H-A-S-S-E-L-L cattlecompany.com and use promo code DNVR10 to get 10% off. Lastly, I want to tell you about Illegal Pete's you guys know me. Whenever I, I almost take a picture every single time I go in there because I want everybody to know I'm not just saying this because I have to read it on an ad read or whatever. I love Illegal Pete's. They are so Denver. They are so Denver. Uh, the quintessential Denver. Plus, they're right down the street from the DNVR bar, so I get to go there on my lunch break. Um, they have a sound check promotion. It's an ongoing promotion at all locations that offers a free draft beer or house mark with a purchase of an adult entree when the guest shows a same-day ticket to any event they have a location right next to lodo so you can easily head there before or after a game um so any event you bring your ticket stub in they're like yeah man all right oh cool free uh uh house mark um they have all kinds of cool stuff going on right there they got the one right down the street from us i always get the queso i get the burrito bowl with chicken put a little green chili on there it's absolutely fantastic um so check them out illegal pete's all right i'm here with keith Parrish of fast break breakfast in grind city media we're at NBA Summer League. I have to ask you first about my guy, Bones Highland. Not necessarily a scouting report, but a nickname. Bones Highland. Is there a better name in all of the NBA? Is there a better name in all the NBA? I'm having trouble thinking of one. Not off the top of your head? There, Not right? off the top of my head. No, I think Bones Highland might be the best one we have going right now. If you were to be nicknamed after a single body part or anatomy piece, what would it be? I would go with toes. I think it'd be beard. If I could be toes Paris, that'd be a dream. <laughs> toes Paris, all right. Yeah. Um, all right, so who's, here's what I like about you. We had you on the draft show last year and didn't, didn't you never mentioned this when we were doing the lead up to it, but you said, I don't scout. I don't know anything about any of these guys and right. I didn't really watch the draft. Right. So this is, but you're a big summer league guy. Yeah. So this is always like your introduction to these guys. Is that right? That's normally right. I said this year, I did pay attention a little bit because the Grizzlies had a pick. And so I was like, all right, I studied about the 10 through 25 prospects, like 15 guys. But normally, yes, I feel like I have a thing where I can see a guy play for about five minutes Ooh. and basically narrow Like, it's not going to be accurate, but I can narrow it down from like a, okay. I don't know. Like, I can now say that guy has like an 80% chance of being all right. Like, so who has had the most outlier five minute stretch that you've watched where you were like, wow, LeBron James, terrible. He's going to be like, has there been a guy like that? You watched five minutes where boy, it was the worst five minutes. The, like a, a guy I missed on who I, yeah. I saw him initially. So one of the funniest ones, one of the ones that for a long time I was saying like, wow, I was totally wrong uh, was Laurie Markkinen. 
but it turns okay. out he's actually yeah. bad. So it, it took like four years. Like I felt like he was just thinking, here, I was saying he's pretty good. No, I'm. Uh, it's a great question. I'm trying to think of the guy I've been the most wrong about. As we say this, I, Isaiah Hardstein. It's like the third time I've seen him just circling Thomas and Mac. I think looking for a deal. He's he's looking for a deal. Uh, you guys released Tory Craig to sign him <laughs> last year. As you know, I mean, some people criticized it in the moment. Uh, other people thought it was a good idea. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure where I came down on that one. Um, the most wrong. I, I mean. As far as guys, I, I can think of ones who I thought would be good, uh, like um, like Chris Dunn. Like Chris yeah, Dunn, when yeah. he played in Summer League, I was like, oh yeah, like he's really good. Do you he's remember really his good. first game and who it was against? Uh, Jamal Murray. No, no, close. Oh, well, one of them. Emmanuel Moutier. Oh. Absolutely destroyed him. And I, my read from that was that uh, Chris Dunn is awesome, but it was actually that Emmanuel Moutier is terrible. But I also remember, I feel like I remember uh, Jamal Murray and Chris Dunn having a big trash-talking Summer League game. I might have misremembered that. But Sounds I, right. That might, have, that might have also happened. Um, all right, so who, you know, of all the guys you've watched, give me your, like, top three standouts. Not just, like, best players, but guys that maybe surprised you the most. Well, I mean... <laughs> It's fresh in my mind right now, but I've seen a lot of the Heat play this summer, and Max Struess is awesome. Like yeah. Max Struess looks like a legitimate role yeah. player this year, might have a, a bigger role for the Heat. As far as rookies, I'm trying to think like like who's popped the most. Um, I thought Scotty Barnes was weird. Like like yeah. I was less. Again, this is my like yeah, hot sure. hot take. Watch it's one record. Watch one game. I was like, I'm not sure how that's going to translate in this first year. It's going to be very yeah. very strange. Um, not as optimistic, I guess. Uh, but certainly he has the physical tools. Uh, I mean, Jalen Suggs is so much fun. And yeah, he is. I know Summer, he had a great putback dunk tonight. That was yeah. So summer league favors, you know, those like guards with some good ball skills create for themselves. Maybe they're a little small, so maybe it won't translate. But like, he's also had a bunch of blocks where like yeah. he's contested guys at the rim. And like, whenever you see a guy doing that, you know, impacting the game on offense, defense. And like, again, my initial impression, having heard of this guy, but never seen him play basketball, I was like, oh, I like it. I like yeah, it a lot. Yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of excited to see how he's going to be. I see a little Jamal Murray in, in Suggs. Yeah, yeah. I think, Less shooting, but. Right. Um, I don't know if, if Jamal has ever met someone at the rim to get a block okay. shot, but maybe I'm, I'm just <laughs> misremembering his uh, defensive yeah. highlights. All right, this is the last one for you, but. Kenneth Farid is playing in this. I think he's my age. What is the oldest acceptable age, in your opinion, for Summer League? I think, I actually think there should be like a block off point where you can't do it at Farid's age. But I think if you're over 40, you should be allowed back. So like, like maybe 30 through 40, if you're in your 30s, you should not be able to play Summer League. But I think over 40, under 30, I have no issue with it. Joe Johnson. Summer League oh. MVP, if he played right now, would he be the MVP? Oh, that'd be incredible. That that's a great question. No, I, I don't think he wants any of this. I, I don't think he's I don't think he's ready for for the competition of Summer League. I'm sitting here at NBA Summer League with everybody's favorite human being, Dave DeFore. <laughs> it's true. I wouldn't go that far. Well, all right. This is the truth of it though. Like everybody here networks, everybody here schmoozing, but first team all networker is Dave DeFore. Just the most charming man on earth. Okay, that's fair. All right, I, I'm not I'm not gonna disagree with that. But but I, I don't like the I actually never use the term networking. Okay. Except for to kind of explain you know what I do. I like new people. That's so true. I like strangers. Yeah. They're my favorite. Yeah. Right? They're very strange. Yeah, exactly. But I also, I like to make friends. I like to make new friends. And I don't need anything from anybody. So 
I'm a good friend to have. You are, you are a good friend to have. Um, so I want to ask you about the sports business class because I know you're doing that here. And honestly, like I think a lot of our audience, we talked about maybe putting a, together a trip next year for, for Las Vegas Summer League. Give an overview of what sports business class is and who is like a good target for it. People who want to work in sports generally, basketball specifically, and the NBA in particular, right? If that makes sense. So the skills that you pick up here, or at least, I don't even want to say skills, because some of them are skills, like CBA salary cap mastery with Larry Kuhn, right. right? Who teaches the NBA how to do this. That's a skill. And you're you're going to acquire knowledge and be able to pepper them with questions and stuff like that. You can't do that anywhere else. So that's a skill. What we do in the scouting and analytics and operations where, where me and uh, Eric Pincus and Brian Palga, who used to be assistant GM of the Minnesota Timberwolves and Seth Partnow used to be the director of analytics for the Bucks and uh, Dan Purcell, who was a longtime scout for the New Orleans Pelicans. What we do is we're kind of teaching you the process of being a scout and then becoming a scout, right? Like, so you're getting an inside look and how this happens. And then we're, you know, we're constantly tying the analytics in because this is the world we live in. Being a scout is about information gathering. It's, it's almost like being a spy, man. Like some of the stuff that you talk about is like all about intel. Intel yeah. is more important than watching a guy play, right? Because anybody can tell you if somebody's good at basketball. Is LeBron James any good? Right? <laughs> I noticed that, yeah. It ain't hard. It real early. Yeah, it ain't hard. And, and so you can teach people how to identify players. And the analytics helps you a lot because you can weed through a lot of noise initially. But... Being a, a people person is a skill that is, is, it can be acquired, right? But sometimes it's natural, but but there is a process to it. And so we focus a lot on that. And, and then we have a uh, media and broadcast major that's run by Bo Estes, NBA Bo, the voice of the NBA. And that is another, hey, this is, you know, we're like Marcus Thompson was here the other day talking about how he got his start the most important thing to his career where he said, be a gangster. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and it's just, it's getting people who want to give back to the community. And, and frankly, part of this is we're going around the nepotism that exists in right. getting into the NBA because people that are coming through our course have no connections. I mean, right. I did this course in 2016. That's crazy. And Nate Duncan, yeah. You know, as stupid as it may have been, said, hey, have you ever thought about podcasting? Now, no, not about basketball. History, yeah, but never about basketball. Why, why would you, who does a basketball podcast? Um, so I started <laughs> podcasting, like, a, a, I think like a month later, I was talking about the Olympics. Uh, so I literally started here as far as where, where people know me publicly, right, yeah. as the NBA guy. Uh, that started here. And, and I've made friends and I, I don't want to say connections, but uh, some people are just connections, but through this program to basically further the program and, and help people get into jobs. I and mean, we were putting people in internships every single year. I mean, I've had two Eastern Conference executives hit us up this week and say, hey, do you have any cap guys that are any good? We need to interview some people, yeah. right? Uh, we had one Western Conference executive say, hey, who do you got in the video, right? Like, I mean, it's just Jeff Siegel. Did he come through Jeff the program? Siegel, Jeff Siegel from Early Bird Rights, now working with Clutch, came through our program. I mean, it, we we are really doing, I think, a service to the NBA because we're getting new blood in there, and it's not just somebody's son or nephew or niece or something, right? Like, this is going to be, 
you know, ultimately this improves the league. But beyond that, I'm helping people kind of chase their dream. And some people are finding out that this ain't for them. Right. right. I was one of those people. Right? Really? How I'm so? A, I'm a basketball coach, right? Okay. So I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to do this program. I'm going to get, you know, maybe I want to coach with a team. Maybe I want to be a scout. No, man. Because you start talking to people and, and you realize, well, that that life ain't for me. It takes a very specific type. Absolutely, man. I like my wife a lot. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I'm a dog guy, right? Yeah. Hard, yeah. I think I think it'd be pretty hard to be a dog guy and be a scout. Um, you know, and I, frankly, I was 35 when I took this class. I was too comfortable. Yeah. To to go and be uncomfortable. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. To be uncomfortable for a living. Now I'm very comfortable being uncomfortable and, and to a certain degree, I'm never uncomfortable. It's different when your lifestyle is right. discomfort flying into a city at, you know, on a red eye, renting a car, you know, driving to a gym, watching a workout, driving to another gym, watching a practice, drive, maybe you got game that night. Then you got to go watch video. Then you got to write up a scouting report. You got to send in an expense report and all these other things that you got to do. And then it's 1am and you got to try to sleep and you got to get up in the morning and you got to, sorry, man, I'm not about that rise and grind life. You know what I mean? Uh, but some people are, and I mean, we've put people with teams. I mean, like, at this point, I think we've probably put somebody every team in the league in some capacity or another, whether it's ticket sales, whether it's yeah. analytics department, scouting, uh, coaching staff. I mean, the GM of the new G League team in Mexico City, Nick Lagios, came through this program. Wow. Went through the South Bay Lakers video room, worked his way up, right? The, like, we have legitimate success stories, and it's fun, man. I get to hang out with like Larry Kuhn is one of my best friends and I get to hang out with him all week. Seth part now, like, I mean, you know, me and Seth are super close. I just get to hang out all week. And it, I also get to coach people Yeah. and I miss coaching. So I spend this whole week coaching people up. I'm a, I coach you up when I see you. you know? <laughs> I, I always appreciate it, man. You're always, you're always hyping me up. Yeah. So it's a, it's a cool program and it's not a grift, <laughs> right? Like I, I feel good to be a part of it. Yeah. So, uh, that's what we do. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Before you get out of here, don't forget about Green Mountain Dental Group, guys, right there in Lakewood, Colorado, but just 10, 15 minutes from downtown Denver and the best family-owned dentist in all of the Denver metro area. Right now, if you go in and get a cleaning x-ray and exam, you get a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's a high-end electric toothbrush, a Sonicare toothbrush, when all you do is just go in and get a free, or, and I'm sorry, get a cleaning x-ray and exam. Check them out today. They've been one of our longtime partners. And like us, they treat their customers like family. You're going to love it. They're Green Mountain Dental Group.